Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Weekly Detour. I'm your host, as always, Ant, joined by... It's Teddy, everybody. Welcome back for another great episode. Hey, Teddy. It's not just a great episode. It's going to be a tremendous, stupendous episode. You know why? Because this is a special hip-hop edition of the Weekly Detour. And when it comes to hip-hop, we can't do a hip-hop episode justice without the one, the only returning, the undertaker of the Weekly Detour, (laughs) Mr. Bobby Anthem. (laughs) Man, I love the introduction, man. Appreciate it, man. You know, I, I just always have to be here for the hip hop, man. It's just, it's in my DNA. So, you know, I appreciate you having me back. Well, yeah, but given uh, what we're going to be getting into, I couldn't think of a better person to speak on it. But, uh, yeah. Bobby, um, how you been, man? Like, first off, thank you for, uh, as always, uh, lending your voice and your credibility when it comes to this hip hop genre to the detour is much appreciated. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me. Seriously, man. I really like. I'm honestly, I'm I'm very honored with the esteem that you hold me to. I feel like I'm very undeserving, you know. But I I definitely appreciate it, man. Um, I mean, and especially to have me for the for the special hip hop episodes because. You know, I mean, I've been on here enough times before, but if it's anybody's first time hearing this show with me on it, I'm from, I am from Cleveland, Ohio, which a lot of people would hear that like, ah, Cleveland, what does, you know, <laughs> you know, Cleveland is the butt of a lot of jokes. Ohio as a whole is a butt of a lot of jokes, but hip hop is in my DNA. It has been from the very beginning. I'm a man of a certain age and I heard, I was able to, I was a young child when I heard hip hop. Uh, for the first time and it spoke directly to me. I felt like it was speaking directly to me and it completely uh, infiltrated my, my DNA and every cell of my body. So I'm hip hop through and through. I don't care. It does not matter that I'm from Cleveland. I am hip hop hundred percent. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just uh, always honored and, and appreciative of you for having me here to talk about it, man. And, and trusting Trusting that I know what I'm talking about. I really appreciate it. Nah, man. Like, like we just appreciate you being on, especially for this one, man, because uh, we had some sad news Yeah, uh, a couple days ago as we record this. Um, De La Soul, legendary. And, I, and that word gets thrown around way too loosely with a lot mm-hmm. of things, but I think it's very apropos. I think we need a word greater than legendary because they, these are true pioneers of hip-hop because they were literally a part of the early development of what we know today as modern hip-hop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. True lyricism, originality. Yeah, yeah. they did that. Sampling. sampling. They, <laughs> in certain ways, they changed the, the sound, the direction, and the laws uh, regarding hip-hop and, and yeah. music as a whole. And we'll get into that, you know, and, and you'll you'll understand what I mean when I say that. Yeah, and uh, first and foremost, want to give uh, condol- sincere condolences, thoughts, and prayers to the family, friends, and fans of uh, David Josier, um, mm-hmm. who was a uh, ooh true goy the dove man, and uh, yep. just uh, Plug two. Past- yes, sir. And uh, this past- my first introduction, just real quick, because uh, Bobby, you're, you're the uh, connoisseur of De La Soul in terms of knowing the mm-hmm. history. 
But for me personally, and then uh, I can throw to Teddy, my fir- very first introduction to uh, De La Soul was uh, Me, Myself, and I. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that was probably like early 90-ish for me. So like around maybe like that 94, 95 range. And that's when like I was really hardcore to my hip-hop fandom. You know, pop, big, uh, just all over the spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I was geared towards a certain type of hip-hop. So it took a lot to kind of, it, it kind of, you know, so it took, when I first saw it, it kind of yeah. like, when I first saw the video, it was kind of trippy because it was right. a different, like they were a different style of presentation because anybody that grew up in like the mid nineties, hip hop had a certain hardcore image. You were talking about, you talking about drugs. You were talking about the women you was getting, the cars you was driving. It was, it was, don't get me wrong. The lyricism was there, but it was geared towards yeah. a specific yeah. genre, yeah. a specific mm-hmm. style. Right, but when you first saw De La Soul, these were like um, what you call them, uh, blurs, you know, nerd, you know, black nerds, basically. Yeah, they, they had a certain type of swag, and it's like mm-hmm. once I saw that video, I'm like, you know what, you know, because I grew up, like I said, I, I, ain't, I ain't afraid to say it. I had, you know, I was a nerd, man. Like I had my, I had my hip hop, I had my wrestling, yeah. <laughs> and, and and that's basically like I said, I was into like a lot of nerd type culture things, and it was like. That group spoke to me. That video just spoke to me. So like hmm. after I got after I got past like the trippiness, like the first couple seconds, I'm like the beat was funky, and I felt like you know three four minutes later they made it cool to be yourself. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That's the best way. I could, that's yeah. the best way I could describe them, man. They made it cool to be me, and ever, ever since I heard that song, I became a fan. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I, honestly, that me myself and I was pretty much like the first. Like single I heard from them, and I got introduced this with they also through like Tribe Called Quest because they was all like friends all together. So mm-hmm. like listen, native tongues, yeah. So like listening to them all together, it, that's how I got it too. Because I was always like, you know, of course you had the one driver all gangster rap, but once you start talking about something else, I was more listening to somebody not talking about like you know, getting women or shooting something, like doing anything else. Like I wanted to hear something more positive, more something different where you might, I can relate to this more than that over there. Like I see that over there outside, you know, you go outside, you see it, but then you want to relate to something else where people listen to more, like more lyric, more lyricists where I could just jam out to this. Like I just, it wasn't tripping me at all. I was just like, yo, I like this. I like this type of music where, I was listening to a lot of Tropical Quest, then De La Soul, then like Black Sheet, like this, like listening to them all together was something I was yeah. more attracted to listening to. That's why I like always kept like just listening, to getting the CDs and like listening to these groups because it was something more I wanted to listen to, something different. Like I've always been attracted to music that was something different. Of course, I'm always mm-hmm. like listen to like, all right, this is the latest trend, but like this, I feel like should never go anywhere because the talent was always there with these groups that everybody like they could handle like round with anybody yes <laughs> it was just facts. it was just yep. there and you just listen to it you just like I, you know you feel like you like you're a part of this like this whole movement where it's just like you know i wish like even in the 90s i wish i got it like you know listen to even sooner because it was yeah. just, it was so good it's just so good. I found myself like today. I was even today. I was just driving around listening to Tribe for Quest. Like I'm just like I still listen to them. 
Like, I still listen to these groups. I always go and listen to them. And people probably be looking like, what the hell do you listen to? I'm like, you, you don't know. This is like true hip-hop right here. Like, listen to these groups. Like, you don't know. Like, this is what you need to listen to. Right here is true hip-hop to me. To me, I, I'm always going to listen to these groups all, all the time. And another group I want to throw in there real quick is uh, that gets forgotten about, and I want to that's another episode for another day, but uh, Arrested Development. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And 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 you can definitely see the influence that groups like De La Soul and the Jungle Brothers and all of the Native Tongues had on Arrested Development. You can see that yeah. by looking at them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just something yeah. different where it attracted me for just watching and listening to all of them. Like, it was just there. Soon I saw it, I'm like, I'm hooked to watching like these talents, talented artists, this rhyme. Yeah. Now, like it just had me hooked to listen to them because the, like the games were at come and go, but that talent right there is just like, it could, it could go for any generation to me. Like it could, yeah, yeah, yeah. anybody, anybody were like, were grew up and listen to that. I'm like, look, I want to make that type of music. Like, right. And, and it's kind of twist. I could take that too. It can reach different age groups, man. You know, it's it's generally safe for the younger kids, and it's something that the older people can listen to and respect, you know? Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. De La Soul is my favorite group. I'm going to just say it right now. They've always been. And I've told you that a million times. They are my yeah. number one favorite group, and they have been from the second I first heard them. Yeah. And, uh, Bob, I'm not sure if you knew this, Bobby. I'm not sure if I'm dropping some uh, new information on you about uh De La Soul, but we were just speaking of uh De La Souls and it was their biggest hit. One of their biggest hits was Me, Myself and I. Mm-hmm. And uh I don't know if you knew this, but uh when in doing my research, uh True Goy the Dove uh in one of his final interviews said that song was essentially made under duress. <laughs> because basically <laughs> Because basically the label came to, came to the group and said, look, because uh, they were they had a certain vision, obviously, for themselves yeah. and the music they wanted to put out. And they basically didn't really want to compromise that image, which right. we'll get into, which I definitely respect. They always stay true. But mm-hmm. the label, you know, labels being what they are, basically said they wanted something poppy, catchy, something that they could, you know, get that radio rotation with. Yeah, I could see so, that. Uh, yeah, Initially, it was a song that it was like they didn't really want to do because they felt like, look, we got a certain image. We want not militant, but they said like we have a vision. We know what we want to be. Mm-hmm. So even though it was, you know, it was kind of like one of those songs. I guess like over time, you kind of grow an appreciation for it. But it wasn't. It wasn't initially created with the intent of, oh yeah, we like this. This is this is what we about. So I thought it right. was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I didn't really know it to that extent. I do know that. Um... They never liked the label of hippies. They because they were called hippies. Anybody who's unfamiliar, if you see, if you watch me, myself and I, if you watch, if you uh, check out their first album, like their their cover art on their first album. I mean, they're on there with with flowers and peace signs, and yeah. Yeah. you know they're labeled as as hippies. And they never they never liked that. They didn't want to be thought of as hippies, but that was what the label saw them as. So they really pushed it hard on that first album um they shifted gear they were able to shift gears uh by their second album to to drop the hippie image but they were still definitely very unique and very original uh but yeah i could definitely see that with with tommy boy trying to push that with uh with me myself and i um 
Yeah, for sure. Now, mm-hmm. every good story has a beginning. Mm-hmm. So uh, we kind of like laid the you know foundation, laid the groundwork, gave a little bit of an overview. But uh, take us back, uh, Bobby, to the beginning. Like, when was your first introduction to uh, De La Soul and how did they come about? Like, you know, give us that little bit of a backstory on it. Okay, well, first off, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm quite a bit older than you guys, you know, so um, I was, um, I was in junior high, the first time I heard De La Soul. Um, and the first song I heard from them was Plug Tuning, which I think might have been the first song that they ever recorded. Um, it, it had a dope sample, it had a, it had a, like, it was, I don't want to say it was dark. It sounded kind of grimy because I think it was originally like just a demo um, when I heard it. And I was like, Oh, what is this? Like, this is, this is so different, man. It was, it was uh, like 88 or 87. I think when they put that out, uh, cause their album came out in 89, but plug tune in potholes in my lawn. Um, I think those songs came out in 87, 88. So as soon as I heard it, I'm like, yo, this is not like, you know, other rappers that I liked, you know, like Big Daddy Kane, you know, Rakim, uh, they were, they were doing their thing. LL Cool J, he was doing his thing. They were all, you know, Public Enemy and Boogie Down Productions. They were all dope. Like those are among my favorites. But when Daylight dropped Plug Tuning and Potholes in My, Potholes in My Lawn, I was like, what is this? Like these dudes are different like they are completely different like their flow their beats like what is this so i you know i did what i could to look into it and of course back then there was no internet so you know i'm running down the street to the store to the record store with you know the couple couple little dollars that i was able to scrape up and you know i picked up their singles and um then when the album like i couldn't wait for the album to drop when i when i picked up that album i'm like yo like their cover art was different you know they had like cartoons they had if you look at the um three feet high and rising which is their first album like they had a like a comic strip uh telling not really a fictionalized story it's definitely fiction like they have crazy characters in there and like they're going through space and it's, it's, you know they're explaining who they are it's crazy and i swear to you every single time i listened to that album i had it on cassette every single time i listened to it i would have that cover in my hand reading the whole thing every single time and i listened man i wore that tape out so much i bought it on tape i bought it on vinyl um but that was that was the beginning for me. Now, as for the as for the um, the beginning of the group, and before I even get into that, I have to say, you know, I don't do research. You know, I don't do I don't do research when it comes to this hip hop thing, man. I just I just call up memories of of my experiences and what I remember from living through these things. You know, from checking out interviews back in the day, from reading magazines back in the day because again there was no internet so i had to live through this stuff so i know that when they did plug tuning and potholes in my lawn these guys were fresh out of high school you know because they were all they were friends in school they were high school friends and uh they were underclassmen they were in the same school with prince paul who was their producer and he was also the dj for a group called Stetsasonic. They're a legendary group. They're like the considered the first hip hop band, Stetsasonic. And um 
Prince Paul was the youngest member of Statsasonic. He was their DJ, and he was a nerd and a weirdo. <laughs> and he he went to school with De La Soul. They were like he was a senior, I think. They were freshmen. He went to school with them. They were nerds and weirdos, and he just remembered that. And he knew that they were talented and um, recorded that demo with them. And he loved it, man. He loved it so much. And and I think he did what he could, I think, to get them their deal. I'm not really sure on that. But he ended up producing their whole first album. And it was a perfect fit, man. The, the sound of that album was just, to me, it was just amazing. It was like nothing else that I'd ever heard before. And to this day, it's one of my four favorite albums of all time. Now, uh, uh, Bobby, real quick. Um, sorry yeah. to interrupt. Uh, no problem. Ask you a question about that first album because I, in yeah. all my research, I heard the first album, Three Feet High and Rising. Yeah. It, it was described as being focused on striving for peace and harmony. Is that the vibe you got from it? Um, I I wouldn't go so far as to say that. It was just, I mean, there was some of that, yeah, but really, it was just, it was playful. It was a very playful album. It didn't it didn't have a whole lot of messages. I mean, they had there were peace signs all over the cover and you know, their whole thing was Daisy age. It was the Daisy age. And Daisy was uh, an acronym that means the inner sound y'all, you know? So that's where the daisies come from. Um, as far as the peace and harmony, that might be something that the label tried to put on them with as you know, along with the hippie image that they tried to put on them. But if you, if you listen to that album, it's just a fun album you know it's just some some young like some 18 19 year old kids just doing just doing silly stuff they're just you know it's just three nerdy friends having nerdy fun (laughs) that's what it was you know there was definitely no you know like this was around the time when like rap started taking a harder edge and people started rapping more about guns and drugs and all of that rap wasn't exclusively that but it was definitely that was definitely increasing and de la soul completely broke that mold like they they there was none of that on that album so in comparison i guess you can say that they were it it would appear that they were striving for peace and harmony but that wasn't really the message that they were putting out there go go and listen to the album you'll see what i'm talking about it might be it's an acquired taste because it's so weird, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just a fun album. Yeah, I feel like now, I probably just wanted to do, you know, look, we're gonna do us. That's it. Like, yeah, we're gonna go have hundred percent. Don't matter what happened. We only do one album. This is it. Like, oh well. Like, we gonna go all out. This is our vision. This is what we want to do. Like. That's why I like, you know, yeah. when you do, you know, a lot of people, when they come out with their first album, like, look, you never know what's going to happen. This, they never knew, like, the big impact they was going to have. But this is where, like, I feel where that, when they came out with that album, it was just kids. Look, we're going to have fun. This is our vision. This is it. Like, look, we're going to enjoy ourselves. We're going to have fun rapping. Mm-hmm. With my friends, like, this is like, and, and it'll be in a, a great album. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, I feel like that's where the best material comes from, whether it's music, whether it's movies, whatever whatever you're passionate about, especially when you're doing it with friends. It's one of mm-hmm. those things where I feel like, like I said, without even being there, I feel like this was a group of guys that said, look, we got this idea. Let's put it out there and see what happens with it. If people like it, yeah. cool. if they don't, whatever, it's whatever. 
as long as we vibe into it. Yeah. And I feel like that's why I feel like that's why it resonated with people. When you go into that is full, full board without worrying about what other people gonna think about it. Yes. Like, that's when you produce the best art. Just my that is something that I wanted to mention too, because you said that like, you know, you were first, uh, you were first introduced to them in the early nineties where you were already listening to things like Pac and big and, and rappers along, along those lines. And De La was unapologetically original and unique, unapologetically themselves with me, myself and I, and, they didn't conform. They made you come to them. They made, they put themselves out there like, Hey, you, you know, if you like what we're doing then come on over here, you know, yeah. now, I've always um, respected that about them. For sure. That we've been throwing around a word that I like and it's fun. And I feel like that's the best way to describe daylight soul as a group, the vibe, mm-hmm. the music that they created. Now, before we go any further, Bobby, we got to get into uh, the members and the names because we were kind of talking <laughs> about this a little bit uh, yeah. before we hit the record button. But uh, break down the uh, uniqueness of the uh, names of the group members. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up too because along this whole thing, while we're talking about them, you're going to hear me refer to them as different variations of their names. Um, the the first member of the group, the one who I guess is, I don't want to say that that he's the leader, even though he, he ended up doing most of the producing after Prince Paul is pasta noose, uh, which is, it sounds like a weird foreign name. It's not, it's just sop sound backwards. Um, which means that he just, he soaks up sounds. He samples sounds. So it's sop sound. He's pasta noose. He's plug one, uh, Merce, mercenary, Kelvin Mercer. <laughs> Those are his names, but I'll, like throughout this, I'll probably either call them Pasta Noose or Plug One. <clears throat> and then there's um, the one that we just lost, unfortunately, is Dave, um, True Goy the Dove, uh, Plug Two. Um, um, originally, he was using the name True Goy because that's yo- yogurt backwards because he really liked yogurt. <laughs> so yeah. that's, if that's not a weird, nerdy thing to do, if, that, if that's not enough to tell you how unique and original these guys are i don't know what to tell you but yeah true goy the dove and um his mother gave him the nickname dove you know when he was a kid she would call him her little dove you know um which i guess is also a play off of his real name dave which you know after a certain point he stopped using a rap name and just started using the name dave so throughout the rest of this i'll I'll probably switch between calling them Dave, Dove, and True Goy, or even Plug Two. I don't know. Um, plug Three is Mace um, or Maceo. Um, he's the DJ, um, and he was damn good. If you listen to that first album, the first two albums, there's a whole lot of cutting and scratching on there because they came out at a time when DJs were still real significant in hip hop. So uh, his name is Mace or Maceo because, you know, his name is Vincent Mason. You know, his last name is Mason. So for short, it's Mace. Um, Yeah, all original guys. And and, uh, according to the cover art on the first album, he's uh, his favorite beverage is is ketchup. (laughs) So these guys, man, they're they're weirdos and I love it. (laughs) And honestly, um, before we kind of get a uh, get too far away from talking about this first album, another mm-hmm. song that uh, I really enjoyed from that first album was "I Know." 
the play. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I'm a big per, I'm a big fan of uh, like uh, play on words and things like that. Double on time. Mm-hmm. That song and even the video, the whole the whole layout of that was super creative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe that's one of the songs that they got sued for. Uh, did we did we go into did we touch on that? They uh, how oh, they no. kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. We, we go there. <laughs> you go off on that. I didn't know about this. De La Soul, they were sued for several songs on that album. Um, because remember, this was the late 80s. Uh, hip-hop, uh, commercialized hip-hop was approximately 10 years old, if that, you know, at that time. You know, what? what whereas they're getting airplay and record sales and things like that. So rappers were sampling and a lot of it was flying under the radar. Rap wasn't that big. A lot of people were like, oh, this is just a fad. You know, this jungle music is just a fad. It's it's not going to be around. But then people started to see, oh, it is going to be around. Oh, they're they're on MTV. They're on BET. The videos are on all the time. They're getting airplay all over the radio. This was originally my song. So people were like, I didn't give permission for you to use my song. So they started coming after that money. Um, the two, the two big, uh, the two big rap acts at the time that, that were hit the hardest from it were De La Soul and the late, great Bismarcky. Um, yeah. Um, cause he put out, he put out songs where he's, you know, like just a friend was sampled and like, and you know he was like Biz liked to sing hooks that were parts of other songs and the original like and Biz was super super popular so the artists the original artists were hearing these things like nope give me my money um, <laughs> they hit they hit De La so hard like they got sued ridiculously by uh, a group called the Turtles and yeah about that group like a lot of people yeah going off of them yeah. Yeah, and and that's the that's the main one that caused the most trouble. But De La Soul, I think they got sued by Hall and Oates, Steely Dan, uh, definitely the Turtles. The Turtles hit them the hardest, and I think there were a couple others. And um, and unfortunately, that hurt De La's entire career. Um, they were signed to Tommy Boy, which was a small label, and you know other acts who were on Tommy Boy were Queen Latifah, Naughty by Nature, Digital Underground, which included Tupac, <laughs> you know, um, and uh, the label was just not happy with it. You know, they put out the album. You know, the label put out the album, so they knew that there were samples on there. But you know, they were they felt a certain type of way. They were pissed, and they. Uh, took every single penny that De La Soul was earning from selling that album and every album after that, that was on Tommy boy. De La never had any rights to their music and they were not making a single dime from any of their albums. And that's a big, big part of the reason why um, a lot of people are still not really familiar with them because their music wasn't really being put out there. It wasn't being promoted. They, they were consistently making albums, but their albums weren't really being promoted, you know? And, and I'm sure, I believe their albums all did well. Like they were all, they, most of their albums at least went gold. So it was somewhat profitable for, well, maybe it wasn't profitable for the label because the label was still like buried under having to pay for, uh, the, uh, illegal samples. But, after that, that changed so many things, man. Like laws were changed, um, sample rights 
organizations were put together. There were there were companies that were put together to go and find, like to 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 pursue um, legal sampling. You know, to cut deals for samples, and uh, other rappers were just like. I'm not even going to get into this, so I'm just not going to sample at all. So there was a long stretch of time where you're hearing rap songs that are not using samples, you know, and it was all because of Dayla and Biz Marquis. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I hope that answered your question. I know I rambled a lot. Oh, no, no, you did fine, no, because that actually kind of like triggered something up with me because I remember um, y'all should be familiar with uh, the DMX song Slipping, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember. If I remember the story correctly, um, anybody that remembered, um, because that was on his uh, second album, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. Mm -hmm. And even if you got the uncensored version of that album, that song was heavily edited. And the reason Mm -hmm. for that was um, it was it sampled a a song from uh, Grover Washington Jr. Mm. And like he was like an old school like and like he didn't like he wasn't really a big fan of the hip hop and obviously DMX with his lyrics. That's why it was like, if you notice, it was a lot of bleeps in that song. So the, the compromise was, okay, we'll let you sample a song, but it can't be no type of uh, profanity uh, right. related to you know, release with the song. So obviously DMX in the studio, he's saying whatever he want. But when they released it, it was like, That's interesting. I did not know that. I did not know that story. That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, I mean, eventually, <laughs> you, it, there, if you search, it, if you search hard enough, you'll find an uncensored version of it. But that's uh, basically why. Because I remember thinking, like, why am I, why am I listening to this album? Every other song is fucked. Is it? And then I get to this song, got right. no beat. I'm feeling it, and I'm like, every other word is bleep, bleep, bleep. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sort of got bleep it. <laughs> Sort of, sort of similar on um, NWA's second album. Actually, on their EP that they put out, "100 Miles and Running," they had a song on there, "Just Don't Bite It." And um, the original song that they, well, the original version of the song that they recorded sampled Herbie Hancock, and they didn't even have to say which Herbie Hancock song it was that they sampled. I know what song it was just from hearing, you know, the song. Um, so they reached out. I think they sampled it, and I think the label reached out to Herbie Hancock. Herbie Hancock called Dre personally, like, like, oh man, this song is funny. Uh, it sounds great, but you can't use this sample. You can't use my song. He said, you can use it for anything else, just not this song. <laughs> you know, I always found that pretty funny. Because Herbie Hancock... Her- Herbie Hancock's not a hater, man. Herbie Hancock is one of those one of those old school artists, like real artists who understood the value of hip hop. You know, um, he was a fan. He actually dabbled in some hip hop himself, and I always respected that. Miles Davis was the same way. Yeah, I think Miles Davis was the exact same way. Yeah, yeah so then, um, like you getting a, you know, ain't like they wasn't getting a percentage or whatever. So you know, you get right. It just, right, but just stubborn, just like you know what? No, and they still but, to this day, it's other artists that probably came out 10, 20 years ago, and people trying to sample, or you know, five years ago, they want to sample. Some people just hard, they won't do it. Some people just hate the genre so much, they just hate rapping, they still want to think that it's a fad, and they just hate it so much that they just won't allow the they won't allow themselves won't to make artists, money. The, the other artists sample, they still, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> 
Imagine like, hating something so much that 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 you're not willing to just sit back and not do any work and accept money from it. Imagine hating something that much. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and like I it's like I get like, you know, maybe because I'm getting older in it, I kind of get it to an extent. Like sometimes you can't put a price on everything, right? So sometimes yeah. if you put out like you put hard work and dedication, blood, sweat, and tears into your craft to create music that's gonna last forever. And then yeah. somebody's gonna come along, and yeah, they might cut you a nice check. But if they rapping about bitches and hoes and this, exactly, and like, that's not that's not what the the original sample, the original song that you created wasn't about. That yeah, you don't want you that's, don't want you don't want your name associated with bitches and hoes and fucking. Yeah. You don't want that's that why that's why I respect. That's why I respect Herbie Hancock reaching out to Dre. Like, man, like it was funny. I like the song, but you can't put that out. He said, you can use the sample, just not for that song. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can't use my song for a song called Just Don't Bite It. <laughs> you know, I respect that from Herbie Hancock. Yeah. yeah. But even where I can understand where, you know, ants coming from, you know, when here bitches and hoes on it, but even with De La So, where they doing their right. own thing and they still, they just like, nah. Nah, that's too old. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Hey, you're cursing." I'm like, "Nah, right." Nah, I'm, so I'm like, "Yeah, like that's how you just hate the genre that much." You just like, nah. yeah. they hate, they just hated it that it. much. Yeah, mm-hmm. And it's crazy. Yep. It's so going on to this day, where it's like other genres just hate hip hop, and even people that's in hip hop and they have a sample where somebody else want to sample it, and yeah. it's like, no, I'm like. But you're getting money of it. Uh, you just cursed on the original. I can't, <laughs> but I can't use the beat. Like you cursed on the original. Right. I'm not even cursing. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm joking. <laughs> like you gonna do it for shit? It's a. It was a. Uh, what album was? I was listening to J Cole. It was like one of the end of his album. He was like talking about sampling, and it's still people really like other artists is out right now still like hating like not letting them do samples and it's hard to put the mm-hmm. samples through where you just listening to it and it's like like and I listen to the game and it's like the latest game uh album about a game and it was like at least about four or five samples from Jay Z album. Like one of Jay Z hmm. I was like damn I was like, it must have took a minute. I'm doing sample dude, because it was just literally, I was like, the beat is this is Jay-Z. Like I hear it. Yeah. The whole song. Bro, trust me. <laughs> trust me. Sean Carter, like, if, if you hear his stuff on anything else outside of a Sean Carter producer, right? Trust me, he knows about it. Oh he, no! He, no. He, <laughs> he just got cleared the sample. <laughs> it, it, I mean, he just he said even Game said in the interview he had to, like clear that sample. It was a lot of sample he did yeah. in that album, and you know, of course, he getting that. You know, Jay Z was like, "Okay, but this is my cut. Like, you gonna get yeah, presented?" He said, "Okay." Yeah. So he must have. He said, "Okay." This was about four or five songs that I listened. To. I'm like, "All right, this was yeah. on the blueprint. This was on the blueprint. This was on something else. This was something like I know the beat. Like, can you and you listen yeah. to whole? Oh, you know each song. You're oh, like, yeah, sure. I know this song. It was one song, the, the money cash hold. I'm like, he literally saying money cash or something else. I was like, you change one word. It's the same thing, and you change one word. I was like, That's oh what I mean. my god. He he went from no, he I'll, said money cash holds was original. The other one was like money cash clothes. I was just like, you just change one <laughs> word. You change one word. I was no, like, oh my I'm god, a, I know this song. Yo, I'm a, I'm gonna say this real quick about Jay Z because this is the this is the Daylight Soul episode. Yeah, but I gotta we gotta start calling uh Ho the uh Walt Disney the Disney hip hop. 
because like literally his catalog is on lock. Like literally, you can't even go on, you can't even find his stuff on YouTube. Like literally, yeah. it's like it'll be like it'll be on there for like a day, maybe, but then like 30 seconds later, this video has been blocked. Copyright owner has yeah. it's one, of the, like, one of the smartest men in rap. Yeah, he keep his stuff on lock. I mean, yeah. I was all his albums on uh, on Apple Music, so <laughs> I can listen yeah. to them all on there. They wasn't always on there; it was only like a yeah. few. And then later on, I'll tell you, he uh, was captaining. But that's why I wanted to listen to They Are So because I'm like, where is the rest of their stuff? Like, I only hear bits right. and pieces, and you got really kind of search, but you can't really get it on a lot of streaming services. Like, oh, because oh. of this. Yeah, that's a good segue to segue to get back to. De La and um, why they can't be found on streaming services, but they will be. They will be very, very soon. Um, they uh, because their music was on lock. They 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 were button heads with with Tommy Boy. Um, like their 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 relationship with Tommy Boy was awful. It was not a good relationship whatsoever. Tommy Boy kept their music on lock, refused to let it go. Uh, refused to do anything with it. De La Soul was not getting paid for any of it. Couldn't find it anywhere. And and it got to the point, actually, where um, it was after their uh, fifth album. After their fifth or sixth? Yeah, it was their seventh album was the first album that De La Soul actually was getting paid for. They were no longer on, on uh, Tommy Boy. And they were actually doing, yes, The Grind Date, which is an amazing album. But uh, it was like... I've seen them on, on interviews because they didn't have the rights to anything that was on Tommy Boy. They were telling people, please don't listen to any of our earlier stuff. Like, just don't even listen to it. They say, if you see a link somewhere, don't click on it. You know, if it's available streaming anywhere, please don't listen to it because we're getting Man. screwed out of that money. Man. Yeah, it was that bad. Man. It was that bad. How bad How bad does it have to be for you to put your blood, sweat, and tears, to put your soul into your art and to have to tell people, please don't listen to this. How much do you think that has to hurt? Yeah, that's, that's insane. Yeah. That's why, that's why I like, can't stress enough you know, to young artists coming up. Make sure, above all else, the most valuable thing you can own are your masters. Mm-hmm. Get, every, get everything in writing. Make sure when all is said and done that you're able to walk away with your masters because that's where the money is at. Don't take no yeah. side deals like, hey, we'll give you like, well, you know, two mil up front because that's how they screw you because the masters is right then and there. You got to think about this group came out like right at the high school. So unless they had a, a present with them, be like, or somebody in a in a circle knew better. A bunch of these artists didn't know better. This was like this signing because it's, it's the beginning. They thinking like everybody else. The record label thinking this is going to be a fade. It ain't going to last that long, right? Like, you know. And then when they start making more, like making money, they're just like, oh yeah, we gonna get them on these contracts. Like yeah, a lot, but of, they like, a lot of artists seeing get this, like a lot of these you know bad contracts, and they still doing it today. But this, this like Dela, like everything that they went through would have gone this route anyway. Like they yeah. still would have got screwed because yeah. of the sampling thing. Like yeah. that's really what did it for them. That's really yeah. that's really what uh, messed up their relationship with Tommy Boy the most. I mean, there were other things, but that was the thing that really mostly did it. Um, so this would have happened anyway. You know, whether 
uh, whether their contracts were different or not, whether they actually had their masters or not, uh, things would have still gone this route for them, unfortunately. Yeah, that means um, stay on tour just to, you know, get money. Yeah. Just to be, just yeah. Stay on tour. That was it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much where they were getting their money from, just from, from performing. Yeah. Um, they was taking all the money. But, but, um, interestingly, uh, you know, their, they, their music will be available on streaming again. They're, they are getting their rights for it. They are getting their money for it, thankfully. Um, and I don't know if you guys know this, and I think you might know this, but, um, one of the people who was very, very instrumental in making sure that they got what they deserved is Nas. Nas w- went in their corner and fought for them to, to get to know. get them their money. Yeah. yeah, that's real cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 and it's, 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 it's like bittersweet. You definitely support, like you know, artists and making sure you know what you're doing and getting paid out here because, uh, yeah, that's that's great. Mm-hmm. And I wish yeah. all of them could have, you know, be here where they actually get all their money. And because I kept hearing about like it was gonna, it was gonna happen either, either in March. I want to say it was gonna be on like available all all the albums on the streaming service. Because I knew mm-hmm. like once I heard, it, I was like, damn, you right. Like it, it's not out here like that. I was like, no, I really <laughs> listen to them a lot. Like because it's so funny. <laughs> I thought that like all this time, I thought that their stuff was available. I was just avoiding listening to it because I knew that they were getting screwed out of it. But I own a physical copy of every single one of their albums, except for the last one. I, I own everything either on cassette, CD or on vinyl because I'm just I'm just the biggest I'm the biggest De La fan you're going to find. And it's sad because, um, you know, obviously we just lost uh, we just lost Dove. So he unfortunately won't be here. To kind of like see, like finally, you know, get his just due. Yeah, and it just it just would have been cool to see all three members being able to celebrate that because when you they basically went to war with each other over this music all mm-hmm. of this time and to finally make it to the finish line and to only have two of the three, it, 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 that's just like I said, I'm happy, but it's like yeah. a bittersweet type of happiness. And yeah. I feel like honestly. Beyond, like I said, it's insane to me that a legendary group that came out and put, was putting out gold, but due to like, you know, some red, legal red tape and sampling and all of this, they were kind of like hitting under wraps. Cause I feel like, I feel like up until they met and they, um, I'm not sure if, uh, Bobby, you ever watched it, but, uh, Chappelle's show, I feel like that did a lot to kind of reintroduce them to a yeah. new, a new audience. Cause they had made God bless. God bless Dave Chappelle, man. That dude, he hip hop is so much in his heart, man. He had so many real hip hop acts on his yeah. show. He was real instrumental in bringing bringing acts back whose star had faded. That yeah. man loves hip hop, man, yeah, and it's it's clear to see. Yeah, yeah. So he had like uh, most deaf on there. Most deaf, and he ripped it, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like. Like, cause he, he was another artist, like I listened to, but it's like, yeah. you know, he wasn't, you know, everybody wasn't listening to him like that. I was like, I, I'll mess with music. I'm like, yeah, got a couple hours. I'll listen to it, listen to his music. But that's funny where, you yeah. know, the heat, uh, they also was telling their fans not to listen to him. And it's crazy when mm-hmm. Chappelle came to that same point, it was telling people not to look at the Chappelle show on a certain street. Yeah. Right. He wasn't going to make that connection. Yeah. Circle. 
And I remember that same thing happened to him, and it, it was happening. I didn't know De La Soul was doing it, but I know Dave Chappelle was on that tip where he wasn't getting paid because it was a you know his situation was like it was a bad contract type of thing, and the show did so mm-hmm. great. They also with this because all the sampling and then the, the, the industry, they Tommy Boy was just like, no, we just gonna take all your money, and they, they just had to keep touring. And I know that was a lot of stress on that group just to be like, look, we gotta keep touring because this is the only way we're gonna get paid. And right. that's it, you know, because right. the record label is, is basically taking all the money because we sampling because everybody want to sue us because we sampling their music. I'm like, and it's like they was like cursing or talking about women or drugs right. or, or shooting people. They were just talking about like, look, we just friends just having a good time. I'm like, but people hated the genre and then they get sued and it got real messy and the music industry get real messy like that and it's, it's, it's bad mm-hmm. when it took, they are so where a lot of generations could have been listening to them, could have grew up right. listening to them if they was out there and they didn't have to deal with this. Like a lot, it felt mm-hmm. like you know you you stole like a little piece of hip hop right there where like greatness right there and people didn't they grew up enjoying it all like I don't even enjoy for it sure now I ain't get to enjoy the full thing because I, I didn't hear their music like that a lot exactly yeah. same same yeah and yeah. it's one of those things where I feel like um you know to, you know to your point Teddy a whole generation was deprived of their greatness. But it just goes to show you that whole the old notion of one bad apple spoils the bunch. So, mm-hmm. and me and Bobby, we've had these conversations before that no matter how vulgar or how you know out there some of the lyrics can be, it takes true skill to to be a hip hop artist. It's not something that anybody off the street can do. Yep. And I, it's it's a, it's a, it's a very complex thing. So even though you know we're all fans of it, we can we can be objective enough to look to take a step back and see how problematic hip hop has been to its own detriment over the years. But Absolutely. And, and unfortunately it's one of those deals where they, it, people don't, a lot of people don't have that uh, type of vision or that foresight to be able to carp. They just look at it and they paint it with the same broad strokes. So they don't look at it like, Oh, they lost soul. They're the, the they're the uh, conscious guys, kid and player, the, uh, the the fun hip hop guys, Tupac right. and Biggie, they're the uh, they the, they the gangster rap guys. NWA's talking about killing cops. They don't break it down like that. They just look right. like everybody's yeah, in the same box, yeah. and it's yep. like you can't look at it like that. Hip hop, you know, it's the, it's the same thing with the whole you people thing. Hip hop is complex, and I beg anybody, mm-hmm. if you, it, it, don't judge it based off of one group or one artist or one bad song that you heard. Yeah, it's so much more than that. Thank you. It's the it is the most it is the most diverse form of music in the history of music. And I I once said on a different podcast that like people who say that people who say, oh, I don't like rap. That's like saying I don't like pizza, you know, because it has mushrooms on it. Just get a pizza without mushrooms. There's lots of pizzas without mushrooms. That's you know, there's such a I variety of different so stuff. Give me any other pizza besides pizza with mushrooms. <laughs> I mean, I, I still say I love pizza. Just, I just don't exactly. want mushrooms or what? Like, exactly. I, had... I feel about, uh, like, rapping hip hop. I'm just like, if one day, I'm this, this so complex where one day I could listen to Trial Called Quest. The next day, I'll be like, you know what? I want to listen to, to Rock Him. 
or I want to listen right. to Karis One, or I want to listen to Common, or I want to listen to Tupac. Like it's, it's going to, I could change who I want to listen to. You know, it could be a whole, a whole lot of cursing and this and that on this one, but then I'm listening to the, you know, Common. I'm listening to something totally different. So it's like, yeah, like it's all different. I'm, I'm all over where I'm listening to the music. So. But it's always going to be mm-hmm. something. It's like it's because you don't like that artist. Oh, hey, but that's not all the artists that's doing that. You can listen to something else where there's nothing where they just rapping about having fun, you know, being with your people, like just joining time, and then that's it. You could just still do yeah. it, like you know, when they, Will Smith came out, you know, yeah. he, he ain't never curse. And he was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the skills was there. You, you just ain't, you just ain't, you hated the man because he didn't curse." But you pull the people that curse. I'm just like, but then everybody saying they don't, you know, don't like this or don't like that. I'm just like, it, it's, it's different for everybody. But don't say you don't like the whole drama altogether. And and, yeah. and just like, just respect the crack. Because at the end of the day, cursing, not cursing. These are people that had to go to school for this. They had to learn how to read music and write music. And just to, if you actually take the time to listen, you can listen to the most vulgar rap song you ever heard. You're still going to hear metaphors. You're still going to yeah. hear, you know, like bar, like different bars. And like I said, knowing how to take it from, you know, A to Z and like mix in the reading. Like, there's a lot of levels to it. There's yeah. still, it's still a craft that is learned. Especially when you mm-hmm. tell a story throughout the whole, even. Through the song and through an album, it takes real t- like a lot more time just to even do that. When you got a whole story to tell throughout, and you can see it play in your mind, you can see it like as they rapping it, you can see that story with they the way they saw it. And yeah. when you do that, you just like you can see it, and it's a great feeling when you just listen to like somebody the first time, and you just hear that story just playing out, and you can just envision like, seeing that story happen. Like that's a good film yeah. you first listen to, like a good, like a good hip hop or rap song yep. right there. Yep. But if people have their mind already set that they hate it because all they do is talk about guns and drugs and they disrespect women, then that's all they're ever gonna hear. It doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter that um like you can give them examples. I you know, I've I've had so many conversations with with people who like you know, cause I have clients in the, in the work that I do. I don't want to put out what I do, but I have clients and I've talked to them and they're like, Oh, I hate rap. They disrespect women. I'm like, really? I've, I've never heard Queen Latifah disrespect women on a song. <laughs> you know, I can cite so many examples. She, 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 exactly. She like, what? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, right. great example right so, there. <laughs> yeah, but, um, but going back, going back to, uh, daylight. Cause I have a few more things that I want to touch on. Cause like their first yeah. album, their first album was was a really good introduction to them and it really set the tone of what you what sort of what you're going to get from them but throughout their career they had so much there was so much growth man their second album came out and it was similar but different than their first album it was still playful it was a little darker the album was called De La Soul is Dead yeah it came out and, in um, <laughs> yep and the the cover art on that and I loved it when the cover art came out um, it was just a white background that had a pot, yeah. a broken pot with a daisy. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, the daisy age is over. You know, De La Soul is dead. So they went a lo- little darker. Um, there was no way you were going to call them hippies on there. They were still having fun. They were still doing skits. Um, and I wanted to touch on the skits, too. Um, 
you know, there was a period of time, like really before, uh, before streaming where a lot of albums were, were putting skits on there. Like Buster was real big on that. Red man was real big on it. Wu Tang did it a lot. Um, Boogie Down Productions even started doing it, but as far as I know, it pretty much started with De La Soul. I don't think they were the first ones to use skits, but they were the first ones to do it to the level where they did it. They had a lot of skits on their album, and after them, everybody else started doing it. You don't, They don't do it so much anymore like because it. streaming yeah. changed everything. Yeah. It, it's so fun, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's definitely something that influenced me with, with the things that I do. Yeah, and, it, and true, even though. they skits, like we say it was like funny. It's crazy where I was listening to, uh, like I was mentioning before, like the Styles P, and it was like three skits on there. And it just See? laughing. <laughs> like it was just funny that it was just on this album. And you think like, you know, Styles P with the skit, like, but it was funny though. I mean, just having See? a conversation with somebody, but it was it had me cracking up, and I even go back and just listen to the skit because it was. And so it's funny. crazy to think, and it's crazy to think that that probably wouldn't have been the case if De La Soul uh, had never existed. <laughs> yeah. And I can't say it was De La Soul that influenced this uh, decision, but uh, and uh, <clears throat> Teddy will back me up on this one. Um, we only did it once, and I, we did it to open up uh, season two of the uh, podcast. We had did a skit, like you know, they're kind of like you know, because I wanted yeah. to try something different. Because I was always attracted to like you know, going back to my childhood days, listening to albums, and the music was nice. But I was I always found myself looking forward to like that little interlude. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just like a break from the, my, my, like that whole that whole concept of and now for something totally random or something totally different. Right. I'm like kind of like give you a break, but give you something a little different to kind of keep the momentum going. And that's kind of like what inspired my idea to like I wanted to do like incorporate like those skits because it's like you want to get people you don't want to get people you don't want to get people that sense of comfort all the time. You want to be like, yeah. okay, I'll hit you with something different. You break up the monotony. Yeah, because that's how people kind of get bored. It keeps things fresh when you kind of like experiment with different things. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, you know, at least you tried it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. hey, yep. there's another skit that kind of stick out that I always like listen to. It always sticks out for me. It was on uh, one of Big Pun albums, and he was talking about the pack and the mag and bag of that. And it always sticks out for me because it was like one of the popular skits where I was just like, I can't get that out of my head. Like I'm always going to <laughs> like, I would just bring that up and just, just saying the scene around it. It was just like, he did it so fast where I'm just like, damn, like, and I know ne- I didn't even realize like they also one like the ones that originally started yep. doing the skits. And I was like, if it wasn't for them doing the skits, there's a lot of these skits. I think about the day I would probably win them. Have would been straight all album. That's it. Like we yep. it yep. every song. That's it. And, to this day, it's like a lot of funny skits out there in albums where they don't do it as much like they used to, but you, mm-hmm. you can tell, like, because a lot of albums don't really have these skits like that. Where just, but some of them still have it. Where it just, it's, I like the ones that's just funny. Where you just, be yeah, like, oh yeah, this is out the blue. You just like, oh, what the hell is this? <laughs> and yeah, I mean, and, and when you, and when you get it from, when you get it from a rapper who's not known for humor, like Styles P or NWA, because they did a lot of skits. You know, these are gangster dudes, and they're doing these humorous skits. Wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Dela. Yeah. Yeah. Or it it took guys that might have had that image, like a big, 
Biggie. Like Biggie had that image, obviously. But right. but if you listen to his interviews, this is a funny. He's an articulate guy. He's funny. He always had a sense of humor. You heard mm-hmm. it just with his rhymes. But like every so often, he would throw a skit in there that'd be like, "Hey, he rolling." Right. Exactly. And yep. plus, I, I I I do miss those days of where you it felt like a complete album when you had those skits because they, sometimes a lot of the skits could, some skits could be random, but a lot of them bled into other songs. They told the story to get you right. to kind of bridge the so gap from A to B. Exactly, exactly. Um, and and like nowadays, like yeah, people. Some people will do a skit here and there, but for the most part, skits are gone. Even from some of my favorite rappers, they're not doing skits anymore. Like Redman, um, my least favorite Redman album is Reggie. And there's no skits on there. It's just straight songs. And it's just, it's boring. The album is boring. It's a boring Redman album. I actually, I'll go so far as to say I hate that album. <laughs> this is my, my favorite rapper. I hate that album. I hate it, man. Um, and it's boring. It's boring to listen to. And I listen to, I listen to new, new albums from other rappers nowadays. And there's no skits. It's just, uh, here's a song. Uh, here's another song. Uh, when is this thing going to be over? <laughs> you know? well, I, and honestly, I, you have a skit on there. <laughs> yeah. And, and I definitely, um, I can uh, relate to you on that, on that front, Bobby, because especially with a guy like a red man, because obviously super talented dude, in my opinion, as talented as he is, I feel like he gets his flowers, but not enough. You know, I mean, yeah. one of those guys that people, I feel like, and it's sad to say this, it's going to be like not until it's too late where people are going to be like, "I know, Red Man was dope as hell." Like, yeah. but he's one of those guys because he has like a larger than life personality. When you just hear him just rapping and no skits, it's like you feel like he's shortchanging himself and his fan yeah. base. But it's like, come on, like you can't, you can't be Red Man and just do like a straight album. You got to have, yeah. you got to interject that humor. Like, like, how you not had the skits and you see the. <laughs> The videos he used to come up with, and you'd be like, "Come on now, you got it." Yo, let, yeah. <laughs> let me tell you something. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I w- I found myself going down a rabbit hole on YouTube. So, so in addition, in the um, in addition to listening to some Daylight Soul, I had I slipped in somehow high, right? First, <laughs> yeah. one one of the greatest. I'm, I don't care what nobody says. One of the greatest hip hop songs ever from any yeah. era. It still holds up to this day. But mm-hmm. I found myself watching the actual video. And Meth and Red did the, uh, Be- you know what I'm talking about, Bobby. They did the uh, Beavis and Butthead skit. Yeah, yeah. That was freaking, that was hilarious, yeah. man. I'm so- <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. They had the voices down <laughs> packed, man. And that's another guy who needs flowers, man. Meth- and Meth can do it cursing, not cursing. Like, literally, yep. first yeah, time I heard Meth, like, more. look, right. let me tell you something. First, I was joking with somebody earlier. I said, the first time I heard Meth, I said, look. Let me let me pick up my dictionary because I need to start paying attention in school and just because it's like literally even through hip hop he taught he taught me like because like he was throwing stuff out there not just about the typical the women and all that he was talking about philosophers and war heroes and people mm-hmm. that was doing us dirty back I'm like this this is where hip hop is valuable because if you yeah. skilled enough you can actually teach people through that music. Yep. Yep. And, and it and if you do it right, it's it's palatable, and you can learn without even knowing you're learning. Man, I remember being a kid and listening to rap songs and having them memorized before I even understood everything that they were saying. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, some of the best storytellers. Uh, you got Rakim, 
you got big, like yeah. you know, slick, slick Rick. Rick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 We'll, 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 we'll we'll go down that rabbit hole enough because um, amongst the three of us, we look we came across a, a top fifty list that was bullshit in my opinion. But there was a lot to dissect about that list. Well, we, 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 we could tap into that one later, but uh, yeah. For what would you feel like? To uh to Bobby, where do you feel like the influence of if De La Soul was able to get that push and didn't have that problem with the record label and the sampling, what kind of influence do you think they would have had on you know on fans, on like more of the other rappers coming up? Like you think they would have had see like a big influence? Like I feel like they had an influence, but I feel like they would have had more people if they, see that's uh, the thing. If this issue like didn't you know happen see that's the thing um i guess for i would say for my generation they did kind of have a, a a big influence on a lot of the fans i mean they were never like the number one group out there but you know they 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 had an impact on people of a certain age. They uh, they were definitely influence influential on the way that people wore their hair when they came out. Their hair was different. You could watch the me myself and I video and yeah. see how their hair was different. And uh, and I think I told you this. I think I texted you this. The reason, like, I have my dreads are about six feet long. Yeah, right now. I, yeah, the reason, the main reason I have dreads is because they had dreads. <laughs> you know so they influenced me in that way um as far as them influencing other artists they've they've been they've done that consistently because industry people pay attention to other industry people yeah so um they lie like they've done songs with just about everybody you know they did it on their last album they did a song with snoop which I don't, I didn't care for their last album, but there's definitely songs on there that I think are real dope. Look up that song that they did with Snoop. I can't remember what it's called, but I mean, like, it's just, it's just good music, man. Um, they've done songs with just about everybody. You know, the, the industry recognizes them, recognizes their value. And we just talked about it with the skits. Um, people are doing skits because they did skits, you know, um, and th- their flow. Pain. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one, man. But they also, they also, they're one of those groups that kind of made people have to step up their lyricism. Because even early on, like, they weren't just your typical, you know, A, B, C, D rappers, you know, with the simple Dr. Seuss or whatever. They, they, they had, their lyrics had depth and, and imagery and metaphors, you know, and they were among the first to really have that kind of depth in their lyrics. You don't, you don't hear it so much on their first album. There's little bits and pieces of it, but it comes out more on their second album. By their third album, it's like, wow, man, these dudes, (laughs) like, I got to step my pen game up because these dudes are bringing something, like something amazing. You know, by the time they got to their fourth album, like they were a different group. Like they were still having fun, but you could tell that they were growing up. Yeah. You know, you know what uh, they say, you know, this from this, you know, know, from the first album, you could tell like the first album, they were just like, you know, kids just have fun. This is Mm -hmm. is what we doing. And then you could tell like, you know, you could hear it, you know, in the music when you, you know, you mature adults and you're and of course they, you know, skills will get better. So, Everything will be even better, more and more each album. 
So like that's why yeah. you know, when I said you know listening to Dale So and then listening to like other groups or other artists in that era or like being that native tongue where they had everybody was like I felt like everybody in that native tongue were was had rhymes like you just you listen yeah. to them you listen to all of them and evolved in the native tongue you just like yeah. Like you could get right because it was something it was something different that you you could listen to. You'd be like, you know, mm-hmm. I feel that. Like every one of them are yep. like, yo, I could listen to them where I could listen to them all together, or I could listen to them separate in their own little groups or all separate artists where all that native the native tone together. This it was just I I'll always like you know love that hearing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, you know what they say, iron sharpens sharpens iron. So, mm-hmm. and when you look at that era that they came up in, yeah, they might have been, you saw the potential in the first album and you saw that progression, but it's just like they just constantly got better. And when you look at the competition, if you look at the lay of the land of what it was then in comparison to now, you had to step your game up constantly. Yeah. You couldn't rest on your laurels. I don't care how deep in the game you was and how many, how much you was charting, you still had to be on your P's and Q's because it was always going to be somebody creeping up on you. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, we talked to, uh, yeah. And you and I talked about it a, a number of times with certain artists who came out and made people really have to look at what they were doing. Like, man, I need to like LL to me, to me, LL was one of the first one. Well, I, okay. Before that Melly Mel, but Melly Mel was so early on that I feel like, you know, of course he was going to influence people because there weren't a whole lot of rappers out yeah. at all when Melly Mel was rapping. But Melly Mel took it from the hip hop, you know, yeah. um, like before Melly Mel was doing his thing, it was all that. Melly Mel was the one who added depth of lyrics to make people say, oh, damn, this dude's actually saying things. Let me say things, too. Yeah. So, yeah, but it was still old school. And, you know, jump ahead, you know, I mean. Much respect to Run DMC. You know, I love Run DMC, but, you know, they were still in that old school era. When LL came out, it was like, man, this kid, because he was just a kid. He was like 16, 17 years old when his first album dropped. And it was different. He was different from everything else that came out before him. And he made people change their style. LL made people rap, you know. And then... Monster. Yeah, you know. And, you know, like... After him, I would say, uh, you know, Big Daddy Kane came out. Kane, Rakim, and KRS, they came out, and their style was so far advanced from everybody else. Other rappers were like, damn, I need to step it up or I need to quit. (laughs) That's those three right there. Those are the three I listen to, still listen to to this day. I'm like, yeah, Mm -hmm. those three, you better be like, oh, yeah, you you better step it up or (laughs) you better get a regular job. You got to go. And I'm going to slip another name in there for y'all. Um, I got to throw in, you know, the late great uh, Prodigy, you know, Mob Deep. I'm going yeah. to always put respect on their name because these were literal children in the mm-hmm. midst of, you know, mid-90s when it was like a yeah. war zone in hip-hop. And they, right. they, was, put, they was putting cats on notice. And yeah. just, I was listening to um, Shook Ones and like, to me, that that song is timeless to the point where today you hear that in commercials, uh-huh. literally, and you you hear that sample so many times. Oh, that prodigy, like he had he had to have wrote that when he was like what 16, 17 years old, 
and to lead it and to have that song 20 plus years later still be on heavy rotation to still yeah. be regarded as a classic that to me is a testament to the the, the levels that hip hop should be able to reach on a consistent basis like to me if you are somebody that aspires to be decent at the very least in this game in this genre you should listen to that to uh, any mob deep album but specifically shook ones part two because yeah, those yeah. are literal children like to me but they really kind of laid the blueprint out for anybody that think they know hip-hop no you right. don't know shit until you listen to the people that came before you right those dudes were my age man Prod- prodigy and havoc they were my age and and um they were putting stuff out in the they were doing stuff in the early 90s. Before they were Mob Deep, they were called Poetical Prophets. And they literally were kids. Like, their voices were young. They sounded like children. They were still talking all that hard stuff that, they, that they're that they known for. But they were literal kids working at a high level like that. And, um, yeah, man, they were, they were both masters of what they did. And, actually, the keyboard that I have, the I have the Insonic ASR-10. That's the same keyboard that Havoc produced everything on all of the like every mob deep album everything that he did for everything he has the exact same keyboard that i have i'm sitting right next to mine right now (laughs) oh and uh you know um obviously this was a heavy episode you know you know honor de la soul but i do like to add a little bit of levity to some Mm -hmm. some of the proceedings so it's not all a doom and gloom type of thing um (laughs) you know we uh bobby you had brought up ll earlier yeah, and I loved. I, here's what I love about LL in the uh, in the '90s. You know how he would do like all types of wild things, you know, with the mm-hmm. syrup and all that type of stuff. And people kind of like got the misinterpretation that oh, LL went soft. He making song all for the women, and then he came out with that "I Shot You" remix. I was yeah. listening to that the other day. It was like, yeah, <laughs> L, it, it's like he went through that stretch where he had to remind people. Who yeah, he yeah. Was. I mean, people, I mean, he always had to do that. Yeah, because you know, no, but he just kept coming. But the ladies was the one buying it. He was like, "Hold up, wait, yeah. I still got, I still got rhymes." So he was still, he still had battles with other rappers, and he killed them. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's how he came in. Yeah, that, he came in. He came in the game, taking people's heads off. Man, he came. The, the his first order of business when he came into the game was to destroy Cool Mo D, yeah. who was one of the biggest names in the previous era. You know, Cool Mo D is like, who was this kid? You know, talking all this and Cool J. I mean, yeah, Cool J just ended his career, just destroyed him, destroyed Ice T. You know, <laughs> like in, 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 on his spare time, destroyed Hammer. <laughs> You know, so and but he was still like even back then he was still doing songs like I Need Love and he was still doing the the love stuff, you know, taking off his shirt, licking his lips, doing all of that stuff. But he would always come with something to remind you. He he always had to remind you, I am not playing. Like I am still cool J, you know. You do not want it. You know. He he's like, Look, they're gonna buy the album, but look. Don't get it messed up. I, I'm gonna drop these rhymes and kill you real quick with these rhymes, right? And, and just show your mind, and then I'm gonna go back to the ladies, <laughs> right? And he and he did start to he did start to slip um, in his career. Uh, I don't want to go too far off the daylight mark because you know this is you yeah. know this is a daylight thing. But since we're talking about Cool J, I do want to say that he did start to slip a little bit. You know, he was getting older. He was focusing on. Uh, acting a lot more and younger artists were coming out. The game was kind of changing. People's pen game was kind of increasing a little bit. And 
he's still, you know, I mean, he kind of started to slip a little bit. I credit cannabis for lighting a fire up under that man and having yeah. him step it up. Yeah, man. And, and that because guy. that album, that particular album and the album after that, man, he, yeah, you, you could tell that, that he started taking it a little more serious. He, his feelings were hurt that cannabis came in and outshined him on that. Cause I feel like cannabis outshined him on that song. But, um, if he hadn't, Cool <laughs> Jay's verse would have been far less, uh, it would have been far less than it was if he wasn't so offended that cannabis was so good on that song. Uh, yeah, you know? So I credit, I credit cannabis for making him step his game up. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, and for me, and I'll just bottom line it with this real quick. Um, LL had a lot of hits. James Hyde Smith had a lot of hits. My favorite, mm-hmm. my personal favorite album of his was uh, the Mr. Smith album. I've always said like, if he had a, you know, called it a career there, it would have been, uh, job well done. And I say that because one of my all-time favorite songs on that album, it don't really get a lot of airplay, but I really feel like it was the perfect, you know, um, way to, you know, tie, you know, tie it up, call it a career, move on to acting. It's a song called Hip Hop on that song. Oh, yeah. Album. And it's basically, Excellent. it's basically like his love letter to hip hop, right? That's exactly what I was about to say, yeah. And I'm like, damn, like, that was the perfect note to end it on. Like, to, it yeah. wasn't even the last album on the song. That, that It was so good and just so beautifully put. And what I liked about it was he didn't just, he, he talked about not himself, but hip hop as a genre. He shouted out every artist. He was giving props to the past, the present, the future. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And I'm like, damn, that that's just like a beautiful song. Look it up if you uh, haven't heard right. it. LL Cool You're right. from the Mr. Smith album's called Hip Hop. Beautiful song. Mm-hmm. I, and you're right. I feel like he should have ended the album with that song. And and if he had ended his entire career with that album, I would have I would have been like, yeah, man, you did your thing. <laughs> you know, you really did your thing. You know, yeah. um, that's not my favorite album of his. But I don't know. Maybe it's a generational thing. But I mean, he put out uh, he put out an album called Walking with a Panther. I'm that, a classic one. Yeah. Yeah, I love that album, man. For me, that was like, I mean, that album was so aggressive. And at the time, I mean, people are better lyrically now. People have been better. But at the time when that album came out, nobody was able to touch that man. Nobody was doing what he was doing on that album. Yeah. You know, but so that's, the, that's probably my favorite one. So what would you say your your favorite uh, De La Soul album is? Um, my, oh, well, one of my three feet high and rising is one of my, and it might be, it might be more of a sentimental thing, but three feet high and rising is one of my four greatest albums from any group, along with, um, along with public enemy, fear of a black planet, uh, red man, there is a dark side, which is his second album and the chronic. Those are, those are my four. Like if I, if I only had to choose four albums to listen to for the rest of my life, it would be those four. Uh, Daylight's probably made, Daylight's probably made better albums than three feet high and rising. But for me, it's probably more of a sentimental attachment. Um, you already was like right there. Soon they was already come out with a couple of singles. Yeah. And like, that album, I felt like that album spoke to me, and it, it, like it, that was the album that came out that that let me know, like, dude, like you're a different type of person, Bobby. Like, you're people think you're a weirdo, and it's okay. 
You know, just just be you. Anything that you the album told me, anything that you're going to do, make sure that it's authentic, authentically you. Don't compromise what you do for anybody. Just be you. You know. And so that's why, because they probably put out better albums than that, like as a whole. But for me, that's sentimentally my favorite album of theirs. No, no. and I actually understand that sentiment, Bobby, and I actually respect it because you feel. You, you know, I don't want to speak for you, but if I had to guess. You probably feel that way because you felt like you were on the ground level of something that eventually went on to be great. Because it's one of those deals where yeah. you, when you like something and it's like it's not really known and it's not really out there to the public, to the masses, yeah. you feel like it's special. It's like it, it's like pers- you take it personal because it's like it's part of you. But then Absolutely. Once, it, once it blows up and becomes commercial... Yeah, you still rock with them, but it's it's not the same thing because you feel like, nah, I was with y'all when nobody was rocking with you. Now, all these other people are only rocking with you because they're just jumping on the bandwagon because it's the cool thing. But I was right, right, like two, three listens. Now people listen, oh, because oh, they heard your they heard your beat on like a McDonald's commercial. Oh, now all of a sudden they fans. Nah, right. I was with you, right? But but for me, I'm like, um. You know, I've I've never even been mad that that more people started gravitating toward Dayline, that they started having more success and started evolving. More people started getting into because the way I looked at it was cool. Like like I got in with them when when most people were not into it. So accepting them was like you're accepting me. You know what I mean? So that's kind of how I saw that. I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah, well, welcome. You know, <laughs> welcome like, in. Like where it was De La Soul and then all, like the native tongue. I always like where I see like those videos where you see yeah. everybody was in each other's videos. I, I always right. love that. I always wish that, yeah. that could happen again where like people would be cool with each other and they they, they in each other videos. Not even right. They were. They just was just there. They're just there, just there. I know that was always just a fun little thing to see. Like, like you, you know, even they didn't have to be there. They had no part in the video. They're just there, hanging out. And that's what I always miss. Where, where it's like everybody was just hanging out. Like, yeah, it'd be a couple people, you know, maybe robbing a couple songs here and there in different videos. Right. for the most part, it would be this that one group or something. But do you have a bunch of people from different groups or solo acts all hanging out together? They were just all hanging yeah. out, and it was, I felt like that was a great time where they. I wish I could, you know, see that again, where it just be a bunch yeah. of different artists or groups that's just like hanging out because everybody got along. Everybody was cool with each other. It was all on the same the same line. They were just like, "Look, this is what we doing. We rhyming. We having fun." Like I miss that. Like that's why I want right. like see see that again. It's gonna be you know I don't know. I don't think it's gonna happen again, but it would be nice if it ever happened again. Just to see yeah. that word, right. see videos with people just hanging out. Like you ain't you ain't even part of the song. You just hanging out in the video. <laughs> just, everybody just hanging out. That was it. And they had everybody had a good time. Everybody was laughing, dancing. It, it was a great time right there. And like when I see mm-hmm. the videos, I'm just like, damn. Like every time I see one of the old videos, I'm like, man, I wish I could. I wish like that could happen again, but I don't know. Yeah, if you watch the if you watch the buddy video from De La Soul, everybody, all of the native yeah. tongues are in that. Jo- yeah. Jungle Brothers, Queen Latifah, Moni Love, Tribe, they're all there, man. Yeah. I, I don't think Black Sheep, I don't think Black Sheep was in the video, but because they were brand new, like they weren't even out at the time, but they were around. 
Yeah. Um, when, so I, don't, I can't remember if they were in the video. Even when Chocolate Quest came out with like the Midnight Marauder, everybody was like, damn, you ain't make the cover? You ain't make the cover? Like, <laughs> it was just right. that crazy. It just like, I just felt like everybody, I felt like it was a good time for like hip hop. Yeah. Where I wish there was a Native Tongues it. album. Yeah, I um, wish it was a Native Tongues album, but it never happened. And now two of the members are dead, and and Black Sheep they don't even they're not on speaking terms anymore yeah, that's, with that's each other. Yeah, because it was gonna be yeah, it was yeah. like that with Tribe at that before Fate Fife. Uh, you know, right? Away. Yeah. Really seeing eye to eye. That's why, I like, right? The and they they and just got like, back together. Yeah, they just got back together. They were working on the album when Five passed. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. even had Jerobi back. They even like <laughs> they even had him. He hadn't yeah. been there since the first album, and they even brought him back for the last album. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and now, and, uh, like that, just everybody like it was just you know even when they was on tour, everybody was together. It was just. Yeah, you know, just to have that, like, get again. I, I also I agree with you. I, I would have loved to hear like a Native Tongue album. That would have, yeah, that would have been crazy. Now, Teddy, don't uh, don't kill me. I did uh, I sent you something. Uh, here we so, go. uh, yeah. uh and, and like I said, th- I, I want to just add to the uh, you know, the tribute, man. We you know, we honoring Day La Soul as a group, Dove as an individual. Um, I said I mentioned I had been uh, listening to a lot of Daylight Soul, and uh, Bobby, this I didn't uh, I wanted to surprise you with this one because I wanted to do uh, a quick little uh, breakdown. So, Teddy, okay. if you could queue up, um, if you could queue up uh, the first couple uh, minutes of uh, the uh, song that I sent you, um, we're only going to play uh, Dove's part, but to me, this is quintessential. His lyricism was on point, on beat, and like literally. I can't tell you how many times I rewound his part of this song that we about to listen to. I got you. Y'all care anymore about this hip-hop man? I mean, I mean, how far will you punk motherfuckers go for 15 seconds of fame? Microwave popcorn-ass niggas? Yeah, we give you much more. Much more. Longevity, baby. Hey, yo, day. Y'all, it's been instilled in me since infinite, y'all. Using these minutes like I value the call. Put your money in the bank and hold rank over friends who ain't got leadership skills. I got the sheep in my eyes, so I can't sleep. We like the land and lay the brand old way. Grand operate the stand away. L I shite. I play the Xbox instead of fucking with dice. I hate losing the doze. You walk away with my dough, cause I doze. Tracy broke me, and now she wanna see the resident provoking me to pop willies on my bicycle. Watch your eyes twinkle. One house, two houses, third house, house rules. So house take bank, watch they bank. Rather had him on a hawk since Atlanta. Extravagans, the gamma ray rap. I'll make the hawk snap. Jump back like James Brown. Hey now, when the liquor over, we smoking the hay now. Delicate numerous dose. I holler out the sound and notes and keep the island close to me. Man, that li- that lyricism, man. <laughs> man. Man, let me tell you something, man. Like the whole song, like that's much more. That's from the Grind Date album. Yeah, it was released in two thousand four. The whole album is dope, but that song is specifically just speaks to me but um the whole song is good but uh 
Bell's part, my guy, I can't tell you how many times I just rewound it because I felt like every time I re-listened to it, I would get yeah. something else from it. That's the thing about them, man. That's the thing about so many of their verses is that, like, and it's it's hard to even pick out a quotable. Like, like there's any rapper you could pick out, like, yo, dude said this, this, and this. Yeah. But that's so difficult to do with Daylight because there's so much depth in their lyrics that you can listen to the same song a hundred times and hear something different a hundred times. Yeah. yeah, and just the whole vibe of the song was basically the whole the name of the song. Avi, it says it right there. Much more. We're much yeah. more than what you expect out of hip hop. Yep, yep. And still, they're still unapologetic unapologetically themselves man he said i, I played an xbox, xbox instead I, of fucking with dice instead of fucking with dice <laughs> yeah. who what rapper what rapper is gonna come out and say that because that's gonna make him say oh this dude soft he play a video game yeah, yeah. i'm playing video games <laughs> what and he's had the hardest shit saying it too like i wouldn't cross him. like what i like the xbox you got a problem <laughs> right yeah man and honestly, you know, we had brought up the uh, Dave Chappelle piece earlier. Anybody that remembers the episode that they was on, they, they had a good sense of humor because he had the Hulk hand on. <laughs> yeah. Y'all, y'all remember that? Yeah. That yeah, was, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, like I even posted about it on uh, like social media because I was like I said, I was this one hit me hard, man, because it's like I can't, you know, honestly say that Daylight was like my favorite group. But they were somebody that was kind of like influential in like the foundation of me becoming like, you know, a real student of hip hop history and all that type of stuff. Because like I said, I heard them early on when I was young. I didn't follow the, you know, just due to um, the fact that they wasn't readily available unless you really Mm -hmm. knew where to look. But um, they're pioneers to me. So when I heard that song, it it just like I said, it just to me, it, it encapsulates so much because by this point, by the time that song came out, you figure 2004, they was a decade plus in the game. So right. whereas that first album, you saw the potential, by the time you get to 2004, it's like it was realized. Right. Because you yeah. like just the cop, the swag in his voice, like he sounded like a true mm-hmm. veteran. Like, yeah, don't you can't step to me on this. Like exactly I, I How, for this. he sounded so comfortable. He sounded so comfortable and confident, and they're they're clearly not little kids anymore. I can't wait. I can't wait for you guys to listen to their entire catalog, man. Yeah, Just from beginning to end. Because yeah. that that first album, you're going to hear how kiddie and how childish and how weird and nerdy it is. And you're going to be able to track their growth and their maturity level from album to album. By the time you get to Balloon Mind State, which is their third album, you're going to think, man, this is a this is a whole different group. It's like they went to college and, and came out and they're in the world now, yeah. you know, and, and and then really by the time you even get to their last album, which I'll say it again, is my least favorite De La Soul album. They made they made grown folks music on their last album. There are a lot of good songs on there. I say it's my least favorite because it's just not a fun listen like a lot of their other stuff, but they're making they're making grown folks music with with deep, deep lyrics, you know, deep, profound lyrics and verses. So, yeah, man, I can't wait for you guys to go through all of their stuff. Oh, yeah, trust me, we will. Come come out, I'm just like, I'm waiting. Like, I really want to listen to the whole catalog on that one. Because this, like, only reason, like, listening to them, it was just me getting introduced through, like, Tribe Car Quest, listening to Mm -hmm. Tribe, because they was all... 
everything was all together. Like, if you listen to anyone in like uh, native tongue, you got introduced to everyone because they were all, all of them. They was all together, so that's why I always there was like, yep. It. Where everybody there was, was always somebody like uh, there was always somebody on somebody else's album. <laughs> so you hear one person around, you be hearing somebody else like you hear, like Charcoal Quest, and then you hear somebody on Dean So you was like, oh wait, yep. who this group? And then right. and then so on and so on. Where you know definitely yep. were one of my favorite Charcoal Quest so like scenario where it's just like oh yeah, just ordinary. Where I'm just like oh who this uh, like is right like, right. Really want like oh who these other people too. So you know, yeah. like yeah, that's why always I miss. I definitely miss that time where I feel like it was a great time just to listen to hip hop. Like you had everything yeah. else, but that that era right there where mm-hmm. you just had all all them groups and acts together, it was just like yeah. I'm just gonna keep saying because it, it was this great a great feeling just to hear hear all of them together. And then right, and for the most part, the same thing. For the most part, it was something that you could play around. You could comfortably and safely play around your parents. I mean, they have moments where they had songs that you had to turn down. But for the yeah. most part, you could play it around your parents and not be, like, embarrassed or not get yelled at. Yeah. <laughs> now, Bobby, I had a question for you. Um, uh-huh. Little peek behind the curtain. You do rap. Um, yes, I do. When it, when it comes to Daylight, was there a, a specific member that kind of you gravitated towards that you felt like, that's me? Is it one person that kind of inspired you in that way in terms of your own? Um, it's it's interesting that okay, so I would say that lyrically, lyrically, the main way that they influenced me was to just to be, you know, my authentic self, just to be different, to to put something out that everybody else isn't doing. That's really the main way. But like as far as the standout in the group. Um, I guess, I guess there were different ones at different times, you know, pa- initially it was probably Poss. Um, yes. you know, he was, I mean, just, he took charge, you know, he was, he was plug one for a reason, you know, he, he always set off the song, you know, he, he always controlled the direction of the song and like, you could tell a lot of times, especially early on, you could tell not that Dave was just there, but you know, he was doing his job, you know? He's like, oh, what are we doing today, Poss? Oh, okay. We're writing a song about girls at Burger King. Okay, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, okay, but then you want, I got it. <laughs> right. But but then they're like, and he was sharp. I mean, Dave was still super, super sharp with his lyrics. But then there, there came a time where it was like, damn, you could tell Poss had to kind of like step it up because he's like, man, I'm getting outshined over here. Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, yeah. there was a different one at, at different times. And then even Mace would, would rap sometimes. He was just, he was the DJ, but he even dropped some verses a couple times. And, and it's funny you say that because I'm like, I'm like, we're, our opinions are kind of like usually in alignment. And it's funny because up until, uh, I'll be, and, I, and I'm being totally honest with this one, up until, you know, this week, whenever De La Soul would be brought up to me or, you know, I would kind of like find myself thinking about him, maybe listening to a track. Pass is always the one that I kind of associated with as the leader, just because yeah. it, just, it just felt like whatever, whether it was a video, whether it was album art, he always seemed to be like front and center. Like Dave, yep. I, I always noticed Dave, and I, his lyrics was always there. But it honestly wasn't until this, and I feel kind of bad now. But just like, um, just in listening to um, De La Soul this week, I'm really starting to pay attention more to Dave. But up until yeah. this week, I always associated Paz. It's not, it's not like the leader. As as much as just the guy that stood out to me, 
in terms yeah. of like thinking of the group as a whole. Yeah. I don't think, I don't know if he could have been considered officially the leader, but he was plug one, you know? Um, and I guess he did most of the talking in the interviews. Uh, and he probably did control the direction of a lot of the songs. Um, he did a lot of the producing along with Prince Paul. And after Prince Paul stopped producing their albums, Paz did all of the, produ- uh, mo- well, yeah, all of the producing on all of the albums up to a certain point. Um, so yeah, he, he definitely was the standout. And I think Dave was just happy. Not, not that he was complacent, but you know, he was doing what he liked to do and he probably felt like he didn't do, didn't have to do much more than that. And I guess a, a sure sign of that is just the fact that a couple of albums in, he just started saying, you know what? I'm just Dave, <laughs> you know, I don't need a fancy rap name. I'm just Dave. You yeah, know, he said, I'm here. Um, I'm going to drop these nice ass rhymes. This one. Exactly. I feel like I and I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you, um, one of the ways like when people like other people started paying attention to him on, uh, their fourth album stakes is high. Um, yeah, he, he recorded a song. I guess they had the, they had a beat for a song. Dave went into the studio, recorded the entire song by himself and let Poss and Mace hear it. And they were like, damn dude, this is the single. <laughs> so to this day, it's the only it's the only single that they ever had that only featured one, but that was only a solo. It was only him. The song is called It's So Easy. And it's it's one of my favorite De La songs. Uh, look that up. Uh, they, he came with it on that song. Uh, only song they ever released as a single that was a solo song. Wow. Yeah, yeah I'm about to check that one out. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, you know, I... I I'm sure we're going to have to wrap this up real soon. I didn't really want to go into like too much of the negative stuff, but um, uh, it's hard to talk about De La Soul without talking about some of the issues that they had with other artists, uh, label mates, actually. Um, They had an unfortunate uh, misunderstanding with Tupac. Um, And that came from... uh, Tupac wasn't really happy with them being vocally against like hardcore gangster acts like Tupac is like, this is how I make my money. So what are you saying? You know, like, so he already didn't like that. And then, um, Tupac did the, uh, I get around video, you know, he was in a mansion with like a lot of girls and, you know, a lot of flashy stuff. De La Soul did a video similarly in a mansion and this was completely a misunderstanding. Like they, they used the mansion because they had access to a mansion and they were trying to make a point. The point was not about Tupac, but like they, they showed themselves like dancing around, playing around in the mansion and showing a bunch of stuff, like showing a, like a big fancy expensive car. And then they would yeah. put captions up like this car is rented and you know, this gold is fake. And you know, this girl has fake boobs or whatever, you know, like they were doing that. And Tupac took offense to that. And I could see, I could definitely see why he would be offended. Why he thought that that was a personal shot against him. So he fired back on them and mm-hmm. They had trouble recovering from that. Yeah, it's no different than the uh, the situation with Big and the I Shot you deal. Like you know, he, yeah. I'm sorry, who shot you? He did that song before the quiet the quiet shooting deal, but it got right. released right after that. So you guess you 
you could say like misunderstanding, yeah, but I just feel like and that might have been puffed behind the scenes trying to capitalize off something and it instigated mm-hmm. some situations like because even though I always felt like yeah, it might have been recorded before that, but you didn't have to put it out. Exactly. Well, you, so you could have waited like maybe until the dust settled, you know, so you don't want to put that thought in, you don't want to put that in the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was unfortunate timing that led to led to a bunch of things that didn't need to happen, that never needed to happen. Yeah. But um, you know, you know, to kind of spin it in a positive way, because me and you, uh, Bobby, talked about this uh, offline during the course of the week that mm-hmm. we both felt like Pac was on that transition. You know, he had got all of the anger out over that two, three year period, and if yeah. he lived in '97, he he would have been making peace with everybody, man. He just would have been, like I said, grinding, doing the movie yep. thing, still dabbling in the rap thing. But I really feel like the, the evolution of Tupac would have been like. Because I've always said this about Tupac, man. Like, you know, people always say there was two Tupacs. He was a deep individual, but he was just a passionate individual. And sometimes yeah. that passion was geared in the wrong direction. And I think somebody said it best in, uh, I think it was like Tupac. It might have been the movie Resurrection, where they said, like, it was, a, it, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there on Tupac. It's just a shame that a lot of the coverage that what that we do have on him that existed, that still exists, is negative. But there was still that other side of Tupac. Like, if you always tell people, forget the negativity for a minute. Go back and look at his appearance on that um, the um, VMAs about like about a couple weeks before he died. He did the, and he was sitting next to Snoop, where Snoop was looking kind of scary because I guess he they had got they had been beefing at the time because right. doing that whole interview. Pac did all the talking, but you could just tell he was in a different he was in a different mode. Like he was like calm. He was just like. All of the anger had left, and everything that he had to say, he didn't say it, and he was just all about transitioning. And I, I and I feel like it's just the sin and the shame that he never got that chance to elevate to the next level. And, I mean, as much as he accomplished by twenty five, imagine pocket 30, 35, right, 45. right, he would have been a much different individual. And I really feel like the world missed out on that. Absolutely. They could have did it they, there's no doubt in my mind that is something that would have happened. That's something that would have eventually happened. I really do feel that way. Um, and and we talked about this too in that same conversation that um, Pac had a lot of growing to do, man. Like it's it's like it's crazy to look back at Tupac and Biggie and and to think how young they were, man. They were kids. I mean, they were in their early twenties, but they were essentially kids. They were college age kids. And they were doing and saying a bunch of kid things, you know, um, of course, they both had to grow up so fast, which is why it's hard to look at them like they were kids, but they were kids. They didn't have enough time to really grow and mature and to work things out with people as real grown men, you know, real adults, you know, so that is the unfortunate thing. But I, I do find comfort in knowing that if if he had survived, if we would have Tupac right now in his 50s and even big in his 50s, um, they would probably be so easy to get along with. You know, they would probably have so much love for people. They would probably be inseparable themselves. Like it would it would probably you would probably be hard pressed to see Biggie right now without Tupac by his side, yeah. <laughs> you know, Um so I, I do I do find comfort in that. It's sad that they're not here, but I just know that they would be better people. 
you know, more well-rounded people at this point in their lives. Yeah. And, and it's funny that you had broken down like that, Bob, because um, I always laugh. Um, I forget, It might've been on like maybe like the old THT podcast or maybe like one of our uh, off air conversations. And, you know, you know, you talked about how like, you know, when in your career coming up and like, <laughs> you was talking about, and it always makes me laugh because you was talking about how um you knew the type of um access to women that you had at a local level. Yeah, you imagine it was like right. or, or Tupac, and like they was roughly the same age as you during that time period, but they mm-hmm. obviously had access to like a higher level, like the yeah. volume of women that were throwing themselves, you know, young, old, everybody in between. And the way you just broke it down, whenever you kind of bring up, when you break stuff down like that, I always kind of think of that little sound. I would say the main thing is that, um, is that they were original. They were definitely original, authentic, um, unapologetically themselves. Um, they, they showed that you can be different and incredibly talented and you can be, you can be accepted without having to conform to what other people are doing peer pressure does not ever have to be a thing just be you offer people your authentic self and the people who matter will come around to you i feel like mm-hmm. bobby that excellent point i couldn't have said it any better myself um i'm reminded of uh one of my favorite quotes from of all people fast eddie griffin and I'm going to butcher it, but he said something along the lines of, you can lie to everybody in the world, but you can't lie to yourself. You know why? Everywhere you look, there you are. <laughs> you can never run away from yourself. Yeah. Never. Truth. You're going to see yourself every day. <laughs> so, uh, Teddy, I'm going to pose that same question to you. What do you think the uh, ultimate legacy of uh, De La Soul should be? Uh, amazing group. Very, very talented. Uh, definitely changed uh, the game in hip hop. Definitely brought a lot to the game that a lot of people benefit today from from them. And definitely wish uh, I would have listened to more of their music. Well, wish it was more available to me growing up that I would have listened to them more because it definitely was the talent was this off the charts for me. Mm-hmm. So I definitely yeah, everybody. You know, if whenever their they music gets streamed, my advice to everybody, just go check them out. Started from the beginning mm-hmm. all the way through. You should just go listen to them from the first album because that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to zoom in available. I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to every album. And we're going to definitely oh, yeah, back so- on here again because I'm going to be like, oh, <laughs> I'm definitely going to have a lot of songs. I'm going to be like, yo, I think this is one of my favorite Dale Hustle songs. Like, cool. I'm going to have at least I'm I'm looking forward to that. Oh, y'all don't you don't have to you don't have to look forward to it, sir. You'll be a part (laughs) of those ones. Whenever we our next album breakdown, I have a feeling it's probably gonna be a day la soul uh, album. And if we're gonna do that, we're gonna start from the beginning. Three feet and rise. With that. Yeah. And uh Bobby, you're a um listener, you're a regular listener of the detour, so I'm sure you're familiar with uh, a new gimmick that we started for uh, season two, which is uh, the jam of the mm-hmm. month. Now, this was my turn, but as my friend and our guests, our very special guests, our official third chair in the booth, as far as I'm concerned, 
um, want to pass my turn along to you. So, uh, what recommendation, what jam of the month, uh, have you been, uh, rocking? Well, first, before I get into that, I want to say that, like, how much I actually, uh, like this segment. I think this is an excellent idea because for me personally, uh, you guys, um, are introducing me to songs that I would have never otherwise heard. You know, I'm, I'm hip hop through and through. You know, it's, it's in my DNA. Um, but I'm also stuck in a certain era, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a man of a certain age. So, you know, once, uh, once the music kind of evolved to a certain point and once I did reach a certain age, it's like, I wasn't, I was no longer interested in a lot of the stuff that I was hearing on the radio, you know? So, I can be a little stubborn when it comes to recommendations for, for music and for rappers, you know, like my kids will come to me like, Hey, uh, have you heard little, little such and such little, little, what's his name? Little, little face tat. <laughs> you know, no, I don't know little face tat <laughs> and I'm not interested. You know, I just shut it right down. But what you guys have been doing has been introducing me to songs and, you know, because when you introduce something, it's like, I, I've never heard of this person. I've never heard this song. And I I wouldn't just seek it out and and play it on my own, but with you playing it, I sit down and I listen, and and I've been very pleased with the selections that that you guys have have uh, have brought forth. So I have to say that like this is a very helpful um, segment for people. I'm I'm a little long winded with this, but I just wanted to say how much I enjoy this segment, and I hope you guys keep it going. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, trying to put thought into what we're gonna you know what we listen to. You know what we listen to every day. So, for you know, for for you to appreciate what we you know what we put out there, I hope you know a lot of other people appreciate it too because we put thought into it. It's yeah. something we look. We really listen to it because we really listen to hip hop. We really listen to rap. Mm-hmm. And we listen to music. So something we jam to. It's gonna be the jam of the month. We're gonna be like, look, this is gonna be something. Somebody will be like, oh, let me check this. Uh, let me check this artist out. Right. So, Definitely, definitely yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate that, Bobby, because and that was the whole genesis of the idea for me, because since I'm always doing my walks, you know, sometimes you want like a break from the monotony. Like I said, you know, I'm kind of like you uh, as a man of a certain age. I'm kind of like stuck in my ways when it comes to what mm-hmm. I like. But sometimes by accident, I'll hear something or I'll be in somebody's company and they'll put me on to something. And it's like, hmm, OK, I like that beat. I'm feeling it. And then. I feel like the whole purpose of the jam of the month is a combination, at least for me, I want to speak for Teddy. It's just to give people like a little bit of inspiration mm-hmm. and also to introduce them to something yeah. that they might've never given a chance similar to myself. It's like, I would have never, some of the songs that we didn't had so far for the jam of the month, I don't think I would have listened to otherwise if I didn't have, you know, access to it either through a recommendation from somebody else or just giving it a chance because I found it by accident. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's exactly where I am with it. Um, but going on to my uh, my selection, um, since we've been talking about De La, you know, uh, of course, I feel it's only right that we go with the De La Soul song. Um, because realistically, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people who are really younger than myself uh, weren't probably didn't have a lot of exposure to De La Soul since their music wasn't so readily available. Um, and there's a lot to pick from in their catalog. 
but the song that I want to go with is a song off of their 2004 album, The Grind Date, and it's actually the title track, The Grind Date. And the reason why I picked that is because, um, I mean, it, it shows their growth. You know, we talked a lot about how their music was really fun, like a whole lot of fun in the beginning, and you could track their growth. This song shows their maturity. It definitely shows the evolution of their lyricism. And there's a whole lot of wisdom in this song, man. And there's there's uh, a few lines that speak to me. Um, you know, I, I won't I won't give any. Uh, should I give a quote? There's a quote in the song that that particularly speaks to me. Should I give that now or should I wait until after the song? Um, or how about this? Like, we'll, we'll play it first, and then you can kind of cool. like get that little. Uh, brief little knowledge on it because I almost want to uh, surprise the people for sure. and see like, cause I like to kind of, sometimes I like to leave things open for interpretation. Like before I spat all my opinion, yeah. or something, I like to let people hear it for themselves and be like, Hey, that's cool. what they got from it. Cause I'm always curious about what other people got out of it first before I give my, sorry, Teddy, my, <laughs> <on>. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I like that. So, so my <laughs> selection <laughs> is my selection is the, the grind date, the title track off of the album, the grind date. Let me inherit the street, fuck it. You know what I mean? I mean, I love life, man. You know what I mean? Life is beautiful. It's just the shit in it that's fucked up. It's rough, but it's fair. But it's fair. People gotta go out there and bust they bust they ass for a job. I mean, my dad got five kids, man, and I mean, you know, he hates driving a bus, but he loves five kids. Feel me? I'm a rhyme artist, out here trying to grind my hardest. I'm early so to milk the cow. Keep my John Deere out here plowing the fields to keep my John Hancock's worth up in the now. Went from hanging on blocks to hanging on the chart positions is part of my mission to hanging on top. Gotta get your poly cracker on with them crackers and them shiesty ass niggas if you like it or not. I've been rewired to work more efficiently in the dirt. I'm hands on with it, all up in my cuticle. Some try to get off the farm, but fell into harm. I get in the game of the street pharmaceuticals, but I was raised in the blue collar themes, having white collar dreams, cause I see what it means to know the meek shall inherit the earth. But don't forget the poor are the ones who inherit the debt. You can bet I got better things to do than that. I was a dick who got jerked by Tom and his boys. Came on my land, seized my cattle and catalog as if it wouldn't leave me less than coy. But I'm far from bitter, even further from quitting. Got a grind date to make, no time for sitting and playing Xbox. Stand up and exercise my rights as a seen do Bob Ness design. It's the grind date. The grind date. I'm sick of asking The street philosophy is that I'm a milk the cow and cook the meat. The grind date. At least I have some kind of food and drink. Because sometimes you can't come back. Like mama said, if you need five cents, don't ask for three. Ask for ten. That's what's up. Yo, fuck a rhyme artist. I ain't here for that. I was born with the boom bap, respect the name. My hands-on experience was hands-on, my first contract. Taught me quick how to respect the game. Introduced to the block, got used to the block. But your neighbors be the ones to throw shit on your lawn. It's like every single time we pop, 
they got annoyed, but we got ahead and we got along. Putting work on them calendars, worse on them calendars. Were the hot days that broke the camel's back. The ground to make today look great and paint a tainted picture of tomorrow's in enamel black. Meat grind, street grind, son, whatever the beast. I'ma take it at the horns to the pinky toe corn and show you why we here this long. When it comes to putting in work, once again it's on. I'm just like everybody else, man. Average nigga with above average potential. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that I'm a gentleman. I'm, I'm saying that I know how to act like a gentleman grinding in order to get the things that I need. And if I gotta come out my nigga bag, I'ma do that. This ain't no accident, man. We, we stand here. Stand here. Myself, man, and I'm proud of my team, man. I don't want you to get the wrong, yo, baby. On the real, I don't have sex with people that I do business with, neither, and that's the real. But I do do business with people that I have sex with. So if there ain't no conflict, let's get this grind on, cause I'ma fuck the shit out of you. That's work. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot of quotables in that song. A whole lot of yeah. whole lot of wisdom too, and they they laid out a lot of um, a lot of what they've been through just in life. You know, they touched on a little bit of what they had to go through with Tommy Boy. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely could hear about everything they went through. You definitely were right where I like they matured through a lot, mm-hmm. and you could hear it like in you could definitely hear it in this song. Yeah. You can hear it in there. I'll take it a step further. You can, you know, on a basic level, you can just hear it in their mm-hmm. voices, man. Like the, the lyricism was always there. The raw talent was always there. But um, as we're going to find out, you know, in future episodes of uh, our breakdown of albums, we're going to definitely tr- pay close attention to just like their vocal vocal range from album mm-hmm. to album. Because I feel like that's a bit, and I'm sure Bobby will agree with this, especially with the voice you got. So much, uh, if you want to be a hip hop artist, uh, just a musician in general, it's all in your vocals, yeah. your vocal range. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because that's that's what people hear, you know. And it helps. Like you can have the you can have the most incredible lyrics, but if people can't feel it coming from you, you know, from your from your voice, then they're not gonna believe you. You know, you have to sound. You have to bring that comfort and that confidence, and that's definitely something that that. You know, both of the MCs and Daylight um, developed more of over over the decades that they've been doing it. Yeah, man. Especially, like I said, man. I wish, like I said, you know, I'm going to echo Teddy sentiments from earlier. Uh, I wish we had more access to their music because you know it, it, it goes without saying that they were they're extremely talented, extremely influential. But uh, Dave's delivery, especially, um, I've been like I said, I've been listening to a lot of his uh, tracks throughout the course of the week since you know the news broke of his passing, mm-hmm. and it's like, man, this guy, like, I don't know what you think, uh, Bobby, but yeah, I think he could have uh, been a decent uh, solo artist because he had like some of his punchline, yeah. his his delivery, his flow. It was just seamless. that was actually something that I was always hoping to hear, you know, because a lot of groups do it, a lot of a lot of groups that. Uh, that stay together. Um, you know, sometimes they want to go off and do their own thing. Uh, and and I, I would. That's something that I really would have liked to have heard from both Poss and from Dave. Uh, just just to offer kind of a, a different side of themselves because they've been just attached at the hip for so many decades. 
Um, and that's another thing that I wanted to bring up since, you know, like they're one of the only groups in the history, the entire history of hip hop that has never had a problem with each other. They never split up. They never had any type of beef. They never had it so much as an argument. You know, that cannot be said of a lot of rap groups. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, you can't really think about a lot of other groups that didn't have any kind of issues. Uh, I mean, I only could think of between Delso and uh, the Locks. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anybody else that really didn't have something happen. Yep. Something happened to the group. <laughs> like, or disagreement or an argument, like, but these guys were close, close net group right there. Like you're a close net group. And then like everybody is on the same page, mm-hmm. like the gear and basically like, you know, like how, like how did they grow up? Like grew up close together or like how their family was. So it's like a lot of factors, you know, kind of play into it. And cause you know, once money involved, money changes a lot of things. Sure does. Friendship, family. So for like, just speaking of this about Dale, so this going through that, especially with them tough times with, you know, with Tommy Boy and the you know, record label going through that, mm-hmm. they always went through that. You know, it could have been, it could have, something could have happened where they could have broke up yeah. with that issue. Right. It, they chose it would have been so easy for one of them to say, this is not worth it. You know, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. But they stuck together, stuck with it. Yeah. It definitely would have been easy to say one of them could have been like, you know what, I'm I'm done with this. And but for them to stay through that together, it, it means a lot that they actually stayed through that that grind this, you know, this by the grind day. Yeah. Getting to that and speaking with that song going through a lot right there, it, it, it means a lot. That's why they was like, look, putting it out on that song mm-hmm. meant a lot right there. Just the grind they going through everything they had to go through. Right. Just to get to where they, you know, where they at to get through that to actually see, you know, getting more money in because a lot of their money probably was just tours. It's just going through that whole situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I did uh, I wanted to mention, uh I teased it before uh we played the song. Uh one of the, one of the things on that song, the grind date, that spoke to me personally. Um, was at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the song, my man was talking about his father. He said, my dad, you know, his dad was a bus driver. He said, my dad had five kids and he hated driving that bus, but he loved five kids. Um, that speaks to me personally to this day. That speaks to me personally. Um, I lost my dad a little bit over a year ago, you know, and my dad obviously was, you know, a huge figure in my life, you know, and my dad was also a bus driver in the city. He drove bus for 30 years in the city and he had three kids. And for 30 years, my dad hated driving that bus, but he loved three kids. So that one line spoke to me in, in ways that I hope a lot of people can, can kind of understand, you know? Yeah. So in a whole lot of ways, De La Soul means a lot to me. Yeah, and, yeah, man. Uh, and a lot of other people, I, I just wish we, you know, def, definitely, you know, me and Ant Generation, where we heard a little bit of, I definitely wish we would have heard more. Yeah, like we definitely would appreciate, you know, that just to hear their music growing up more often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would love to hear that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I would have came to uh, certain conclusions sooner in life if had I had I had more exposure to him because the my main takeaway from beyond the lyricism and just the overall talent was just their biggest message that I feel like should resonate with everybody, regardless of your race, creed, religion, whatever you believe in, sexual orientation, who, whoever, whatever you are, be the best version of you that you can possibly mm-hmm. be. That I feel like that was their overall message because like, you know, you know, like you were saying earlier, Bobby, like they probably like were picked on in high school and just like they, they were ostracized, but all they had was each other and they made the decision to, you know what? Fuck everybody right. else. We gonna be we're gonna continue to do our thing and one day people gonna they're gonna look at us like we had a yeah. shit and here we are. Yep. Yeah. Well said. Yep. And they are what they are what real is, man. Like real was real has always been a big thing in hip hop. Like people would get criticized, oh you're not real, you're not real, and people have the misconception that real meant like street or hard, like like, oh, you're not real. You soft. You're not real. You know, like that's not the only real that there is, man. There be there. De La Soul was always real to themselves. They always gave you the the real them, you know, and they weren't talking about robbing people and selling drugs and using drugs or any of that. They What they were giving you was the real them. De La Soul is as real as they come. Yeah. Gotta be yourself. You gotta be your real self. That's it. Everybody think real is the truth. Street, like you said, it's got to be your true self. Yeah, authentic. Mm-hmm. That's you know, if you're that way, then people going people going to feel you. They go, they going to feel your music, and you come with it, being yourself. Yeah, yeah, and it goes with anything, like any type of um, any type of art form, but but especially with like music, I always feel like people in general. Not even just music. Let me just take that one back for a sec. I feel like in general, people can sniff out an authentic yep. if you're not being authentic. Yep. So like just be the best version of you. Like if if you're a cornball or a nerd, embrace mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I mean, and then like like whoever's feeling it, the people that are meant to feel you, they will be grab they'll gravitate to you. Whatever's meant for you will find you. Yep. But don't ever, ever try to fit into situations where you feel like you have to alter who you are because eventually you're going to chip away at your essence and it, and then you're going to lose yourself yeah. and you never want to get to that place. And then, he, and, and even the people, if you offer your authentic self, even the people who can't necessarily relate to what you're offering, they will respect you and gravitate toward you for your authenticity. You know, and that's priceless. But uh, Teddy, um, you know, you know me. I can be a talker, so hey, to close this out, I, 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 you know, man, you know. <laughs> not, not not even a soapbox, you man. Know? Like soapbox. I, just to, just to show you that I'm a, a giving co-host. You know, partnership, my man. I'm going to upgrade you from two cent. To 25. <laughs> you want to queue up the music? Close this out. Well, we out here. I ain't Beyonce, but I'm upgrading. We got we got to pay some bills. Thank you. We appreciate y'all. I'm chewing the music up right now because he gave me he gave me 25 cents. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that how far that takes me. <laughs> but I'm gonna let him be the plug because he always plugging shows. I'm gonna let Ant do what he do. Uh, once again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Weekly Detour. Special, special thanks to our guest, Bobby Anthem. As always, sir, 
you always have a place on this show. Just say the word, man. Thank you once uh, again. Thank you, man. I, I, you, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you guys having me on a regular basis, too, man. I feel like I feel like I don't deserve it, so I, I appreciate you having me. Nah, but especially we needed you for this one, man, because you're like an historian on hip hop. But especially, I know how you felt about Daylight Soul, and the very least I could have did, we could have did as a show, is give you a platform to kind of like educate people. Not just us, but the world at large, because more people need to know about the contributions of uh, what Daylight Soul meant to the game of hip hop. Yeah, yeah, I, I appreciate this opportunity more than anything, man. I'm I'm very glad to have this chance. I hate that it was under these circumstances, but I'm glad that uh, sure. that I was able to be here to to do this for number one for my very favorite group of all time and for my friends. You know, I appreciate you. I appreciate you allowing me to do this. Not a problem, but um, Weekly Detour, you know the drill. Subscribe to us, download us, tell your friends, leave reviews. We're available everywhere, Spotify, Google, TuneIn. Just type us in, you'll find us. And if you can't find us, slot in the DMs of our Instagram page at the Weekly Detour, and I'll send you the link personally. That's a soapbox. <laughs> I will send you the link. Uh, yes, also, did. check out my... Yes, sir. Also, check out Teddy on his other podcast, Hardest Working Man in the Game, the K Dizzy and Teddy Coast to Coast Happy Hour Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. They got merchandise. They got T-shirts. They got hoodies. They got stickers. They got whatever you need. Just slide in their DMs and support a good group of brothers with a good podcast. They also have a Patreon where you get exclusive content for as little as five bucks a month. That's a Starbucks cup of coffee. Support them, brothers. They're good to you. They, they'll be good to you. Jace has the Bottom Line Pro Wrestling Podcast. My forever homies, John Draper, Shaheen, B-Show Brian, got Break the Apocalypse. Boxman has the Hollywood Hangout. And last but certainly not least, Bobby, you got anything you want to Yes, sir, I certainly do. You can check me out along with my partners, Yug Nasty and Papa Dave Sincere on Planet Raconteur. Uh, that's that podcast can be found absolutely anywhere. Uh, what we do is we read uh, audio dramas. Uh, uh, Papa Dave finds the stories for for him and myself to read. Young Nasty also does a little bit of reading, and he does all of the production. Uh, we tell short stories, mostly science fiction, horror, fantasy, uh, things of that nature. I'm extremely proud of it. Please go check it out. Um, and you can also check out my brother. Every time I do anything, I always have to I always have to plug my brother, Bobby Blades. That's my man for life, man. That's my brother forever. Uh, he has a couple of podcasts. He and uh, our friend Jim Vicious from Suplex City Limits, uh, they do a podcast called Old Guy Metalcast. Um, they're a couple of uh, old school metalheads. Um where they talk about you know life, uh, aging. They talk about guitars. Uh, it's a it's a pretty cool listen. Uh, you don't even have to be into metal to enjoy it. I certainly do. And also, Bobby Blades has a show with our friend Mark, and it is called Midnight Mass Creature Cast. These podcasts can be found anywhere. Midnight Mass Creature Cast, where they break down um, movies, uh, creature feature flicks uh horror flicks a lot of it is campy but it's all entertaining stuff from the 70s 80s and 90s so go check that out also i have music coming soon i'll share more when i can but i have music coming so be on the lookout for that we can't wait it's gonna we're gonna have make sure you're gonna be back that's already guaranteed but 
definitely when the album come out, look, we, we got to play a track on here. We got to get you back on for that one. Absolutely. Yeah, bold prediction. Bold prediction. Those are gonna we're gonna have a couple of jams in the month from that Bobby Anthony. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. When that come out, oh yeah, me and Ant will be jamming to that. So it definitely one of them tracks will be on the jam of the month. I appreciate. It. All I can do is hope, man. And and following it, like my music does not sound like De La Soul, but following in their tradition, just inspired by them. All I'm offering you is is my authentic self. So. Yeah, I, I make music yeah. to make myself happy, and I hope if somebody feels like coming along, then they will. <laughs> uh, I know you never got the chance to meet your favorite group, but you know I'm a big believer in you know positive vibes and thoughts, and I'm sure like not knowing those brothers, they would appreciate that uh, you're carrying on that legacy of just being yourself. Oh. They would greatly appreciate. I like that to think way. so. I appreciate that. But uh, yeah, it's so hard to say goodbye, but y'all know y'all know the drill. Be good and see you on the next one. Peace. Y'all